Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Amen. Let's pray. Ask God to bless the message today. Prepare our hearts. God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in these days. Because you are moving, and even though we don't see it, Lord, you are moving. And Lord, your kingdom is not going... What are we saying about that this morning, Lord? You, Lord, you are not going to be thwarted in your ways. Yet, Lord, we know that the world will tremble, and it will be shaken. And we know that those, Lord, who are not holding onto the rock, Lord, will, will be shaken with it. But not us, not your people. So Lord, we put our hope in you today, God, and, and as you prepare us for what you have in these coming days, Lord, let us be prepared. Help us be prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I don't like to, to overplay or to over-dramatize things. Matter of fact, recently I wrote a letter to um, my pastor and one of the apostolic leaders of our movement. And it was a letter I sat on for a couple of weeks. I prayed over it, and I just, you know, it's one of those letters that just came right out of my soul because of a lot of concern I'd had for what I saw happening within the churches. And, you know, it's just one of those things where a little old David Schmaltz, you know, why, you know, who's going to listen to me kind of a thing. But God really spoke to me. He said, no, David, you need to send this. And so I sent the letter on to the guys, and uh, I got immediate response and, of course, some dialogue back and forth regarding doctrine and where we are as local churches in these days. And we, brought, we belong to a group of churches called Impact, and we plant churches, we train men, we have our own, uh, we have our own college, our, our, actually it's really a seminary slash college that Devin went to and he's still a part of. And, um, and so we're, we're very intent on missions and planting churches, and, but we see what's going on in our culture and, and we're, you know, obviously, you know, um, certain things in politics that are taking place and advancing very quickly, and we're really finding ourselves on not such solid ground as far as the church and, and how we're going to respond. And so anyway, we're going to have, and I'm going to ask you to pray in November, um, on what we're calling an Acts chapter 15 summit. We're going to gather uh, all the pastors of our, of our stream, and we're going to be praying. And not only going to be praying, but we're going to be discussing. Now, if you read in Acts chapter 15, the church came to a real seminal moment where they really needed to make some decisions. Who are we going to be and how we're going to respond to what's happening? And so this is going to be a very, very uh, important meeting. I've asked the elders to be a part and to pray. Um, and so there's going to be a key thing. But what I wanted to mention is not, not patting myself on the back. I just was really wanted you to know that your pastor was involved in this and really got the ball started because Michael came right back and said, David, this is God, and he changed everything for us to have this meeting. And so we're going to have it November 20th and the 21st. And uh, we're going to be discussing some, we're going to have a lawyer, uh, an international lawyer that's going to be there with us to discuss some legal issues. Uh, we're going to have a pastor from Europe who is going to come because Europe is so much further ahead of us in cultural decline. And we need to know, okay, what have you been doing over the last 20 years? How have you responded to this? And what are you doing in order to, uh, uh, to continue as a church without being thrown into jail for preaching what the word says? Now, that's kind of a somber thing, isn't it? It's, it's very, on one level, it's kind of discouraging, but you know what, I, I want to say this before I get into the message today. You know, the church has, has come to these moments before. This is not the only time that we've experienced overwhelming sense of lostness 
in, 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 as we relate to uh, our culture. Um, the church in Rome uh, and in many nations throughout the earth and since have experienced great times of persecution and struggle. Matter of fact, <laughs> you're not going to see this or hear this in history books today, sadly, but our nation was formed as a result of those who were seeking freedom to be able to worship God the way they chose. Um, that's how, where it came from, by the way. Um, who knows? That might end up happening again. And I'll let that one just sit there. But we'll see. The Lord knows, doesn't he? And his kingdom is forcefully advancing. And those who, you know, have a heart to serve are going to be a part of that as well. All right. Well, if you've got your notes, you can follow along with me. And let's get this done. In Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11, I'm going to read. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I would too. Much sooner than that, I'm, I'm sure. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from or precedes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to, a whole, to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Wow, we got the devil quote in the Bible. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, when we read this, we're very tempted to think that this was symbolic or allegorical. But the truth is, this actually happened. And when you think in terms of the transformation, the supernatural elements of this, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, you got to, and just come, some of the things you need to be thinking about right off the bat is you got Satan who is picking Jesus up and taking him to places. Now, this, this, this is important for us to understand when you think of demons and demonology and the power that he's been given, or he still has, I guess we could say, or allowed to have is a better word a better way to say that. So there are supernatural elements that involves the Son of God himself, and that's, it's pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? But what I want to do is boil this section down to something that I think can really help us. Because, you know, I, I, I want us to be spiritual, but I don't want us to be spooky. All right? I want us to be able to de dig deep into the wonderful things of God, but yet not feel overwhelmed that it's just like, man, how do, how do I apply to that? That just... I don't know, even know how to go there, Pastor David. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, in my world, I don't know how to apply that. So what I, I feel like there are three things that we definitely need to look at in this section because there were three temptations. There were three tests. And I believe that there's, if we're going to look at it from a prophetic element, and if we look at this, you know, Jesus always preceded us on many things. And if we look at this temptation and we kind of dig into it, I believe there is a preparation that God has for us that any time we have something very difficult coming our way or God is preparing us for something big, and that's cool, 
Because even though darkness may expand, light continues to go forward and will always outshine it. And so really, we don't want to flee to the mountains. Of course, that day is coming when Jesus comes. But uh, again, or at least there'll be some who flee to the mountains. But for us, we need, to be see- we need to be found in the field. And that is hoe in hand, working the row that God has given us, doing what God has called us to do. So how do we stay there? How do we embrace it? There's definitely going to be some tests that are going to come. And so let's look at these tests and break them down. Of course, there, matter of fact, as I began to continue to read it, I thought, oh, man, I could talk about this and talk about, you know, there's so much. But this is what I feel like God has given us for, to me for today. Test number one, I'm going to call it the provision test. And that is to trust God with our needs. The first thing that Jesus is, is, has to face is his hunger. Because God has called him to a place of preparation and to hear and, and to fulfill all righteousness. He's, he's driven and the Holy Spirit takes him out into the wilderness. And it says after 40 days of fasting, it says he comes to a place of hunger. We know that that physiologically is about as far as a man can go who's got a little bit of meat on his bones before his body begins to devour itself. And you get this thing called hunger. And it's not just hunger. You actually begin to starve to death. Isn't that right, Gwen? When we talk about the medical things that are going on inside, the body begins to eat its own organs. So Jesus begins to experience true hunger. It's to a place of desperation. Satan says, hey, look, you're the son of God. You've got ability here. Why don't you just bypass whatever God is doing right now because he doesn't seem to be showing up right now for you. You're going through some discomfort. Why don't you just tell these stones to become bread and then just be done with it? So whenever Satan, anything that comes out of Satan's mouth, (laughs) you need to highly doubt, right? Right off the bat, you need to say, well, there's... (laughs) There's some deception wrapped up in that. And when we think about the word that's constantly coming from the world, you know, to more and more, you know, the, it says that the faith and the courage of most will, and the love of most will grow cold in the last days. So that there's a lot of people out there that just doubt everything. And, and the people that we're supposed to trust are not telling us the truth. You know? and, and so this, this sense of real doubt comes out, and that's usually just an indication of the enemy just speaking half-truths and denials and end-arounds and the whole nine yards. So Satan says, hey, turn the stones into, bed, into bread and you'll be done with it. Jesus recognizes it right off the bat. And he tells him, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So he cuts past that and he says, you know what? And what that ultimately means is that we need to trust him implicitly. I'm going to trust in God's ways over what you're saying right now, or even my own needs. And that's, that's pretty powerful, pretty important. So tempted, uh, I'm sorry, Satan tempted Jesus to take matters into his own hands, thus violating the purpose of the fast. This was about trusting the Father to eventually feed him. And we find at the end that the angels are sent to feed and care for him. So God had a plan. It was going to happen. He just... Satan wanted to bypass what the purpose was. And in our lives, I want to say that there are times when God is calling us to fast, or we might even be put into a place where things are not going, you know, Paul said, let me finish, um, that are not going our way. And even Paul said, look, I know what it's like to have a lot, and I know what it's like to not have much. And God was in all of that. And so 
what we have done is created at times in our culture this sense of, well, no, 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 no. I, no, look, I have the wherewithal to turn stones into bread. I have the wherewithal, whether it be a credit card or going to the bank or, or you know, doing other things in order to be able to bypass God's purpose because, see, sometimes God wants to bring us into a time of, 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 of just pulling back for a reason, to purify, to test us, to get us to dig deeper for the wells, to find the word of God that applies. And that's exactly what we, and one of the things we need to see right off the bat is that Jesus fought with what? With the words of God. Because he was familiar. Of course, we know he was the word of God. It may seem a little unfair, but what he's trying to show us is that we follow in the same way. You see, the humanity of who Christ is was fighting at that moment. See, God could have, the, the God in, in, in Jesus, the God part, if I can say it that way, could have just said, look, be gone from the very beginning. Am I not right? He could have just said, look, um, I threw you from heaven to the earth to crawl on your belly forever. And, and would you just go away? Pfft. But no, the, huma- the human side of who Jesus was needed to go through this for our benefit to see what was taking place. So he fought with the word. See, we're tempted to bail out and use means that are carnal and in some cases illegal or even immoral. See, look, we're not even talking about using a credit card. Sometimes, Christians, we are tempted to do things that are completely bypassing the ways of God, and yet we think we're justified because of what? Our need. And see, you know, we're looking at that. Now, folks, I mean, I know I'm putting this 8 by 10 colored glossy in front of you, and, 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 and none of us really want to look at it, but you know what? That's what happens. Happens all the time, and it, and it wears us down, and we haven't passed the test, and you say, but, but wait a minute, I'm starving here. I have a great need. Certainly, God will understand that if I bypass his ways to get it, and we even go so far as to say that God would use those illegal means, but that sounds more like the other guy, doesn't it? Turn these stones into, into bread? He's appealing to say, you got the power to do it. You are the son of God. You can do this. And so even as Christians, sometimes, I mean, God forbid, even pastors telling people, you know, God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to have everything. And then going and doing things and, and, and again, borrowing large sums of money in order to um, try to fulfill that plan. And it sounds like to me they're turning rocks into to bread when God is trying to do something else. I really want us to focus on that sense of Ill, you know, illegal or even immoral ways to get what we need because we're talking more than just a simple faith act. Sometimes we really bypass the ways of God. See, God was only going to supply in his time. In his time. And see, that's where the test lies. The test is waiting on God, waiting on God. King Saul was rejected by God as the king of Israel because of that one failure. He did not wait upon God. Samuel said, don't do anything until I get there. Saul's over there, man, I got a, I got a schedule to keep, man. I'm the king now. We've got this whole nation. We've got bleeding of sheep. Go ahead, guys, just start sacrificing. Because, and, and, and in the end, it was all just for the sake of time. It was carnal. He had no real heart for God, and, and Samuel knew that. Samuel shows up, what are you doing? I told you not to start this. 
And he says, because of this, you've been rejected by God. And the kingdom will be torn from you. Again, trying to bypass the timing of God. This is not about filling my belly first. This is about knowing without a shadow of a doubt where this provision comes from. You see, that's important. That's important. That when we're waiting on God and we're waiting on God, we're waiting. And, you know, sometimes he will feed us by the raven. Sometimes we're not sure how it's even going to happen. But I'm telling you, listen, Christians. Listen, Christians, it's time for you to start passing this test. Okay? Because it's not always going to be there in the ways of the provisions that, I mean, rocks are being turned into bread right now. And some of us are enjoying that. But God says, look, there's a time coming when you're just going to have to wait on me. And those who promise us things, you know, Satan promises a lot of things. But in the end, he can't deliver. He can't deliver. You know, there was a man who came to me many years ago, and he came and he, he, he told me, he said, look, I'm in $50,000 in uh, credit card debt over $50,000. Today, now this was like 25 years ago, and that, I mean, today, I mean, that's kind of just even getting started for some, but back then, that was crazy. Sitting at 21% interest and paying the minimum payment, he'd be in heaven and and those guys still coming to him asking for it. (laughs) Hey, look, man, go see Jesus. (laughs) He's got all this covered. But I, but I told him, and I said, and, and shared with him, he got the truths, and he realized that there were some things that he had violated, and, and, and God began. So he got back to tithing, and, and you know what? He knew his own soul. And so about every two or three days, he'd show up to church with, with cash, cash tithe in an envelope. And we were always wondering, you know, dude, why? I mean, you can just bring it on Sunday morning. He said, nope, I don't even trust myself, man. He says, I, 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 I do not pass the test. And he said, as soon as I get it, I put that 10% in the envelope, and I march right to church, and I walk in and find the first person. And, and you know, in three years, he paid off that $50,000 debt and was out. And man, he was the happiest man I ever saw because he knew he was out from under that thing. And in so doing, had learned a very valuable lesson, never to get him to that place again, of course, and then to trust God. So it's very hard to move forward into greater levels of faith without getting this first test down. See, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about if we really, really want to grow in the ways of God. And there's so many of us that we're hungry for that. We're just like, I want to learn the ways of God. And I want to be able to, I want to, be able to soar on those wings as, as eagles. And I want to be able to experience the ways of God during this time. And you know, on one hand, that's just, you might just say, well, man, so heavenly minded, you know, earthly good. Look, a time is coming when you got to be heavenly minded or you're not going to be on this earth. That's what we're talking about here. And so you got to get this test down. This is test number one. is to trust God with your provision and follow his ways and dig in. Learn the ways of God with your money. We've got the Dave Ramsey uh, small group that we do here often, and many who have gone through that have experienced wonderful, wonderful provision and breakthroughs in their finances, to help them live as a kingdom person with their finances and trusting God for the future. You know, later, Jesus feeds the 5,000. You remember that? He feeds the 5,000 and then the 7,000, I believe it was. And uh, 
with just a few loaves and fishes. In order to experience that, Jesus had to pass the first test of just getting, just getting the one loaf, just getting what he was going to need to live. But because he passed that test, the thought of God bringing something out of nothing was nothing to Jesus. He said, yeah, man, you know, I was starving to death. I trusted God. I held on, and angels showed up and fed me. Now, I've never had that happen to me before, but I think that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? How you doing, David? Good to see you. Here's your meal for the day. Awesome. I know I'm just playing there, but that's what happened. God took care of him. Test number two. But when we pass test number one, it opens the door for God's provision in a supernatural way. But we've got to trust him. Test number two was the providence test. The providence test. The provision test and the providence We've got to trust God with our destiny. Was Satan testing Jesus really for, even for suicidal thoughts, I wonder? Because I began to read that and I thought, because remember, he takes him to the, a pinnacle, a tower, and he says, what does he tell him to do? Jump off. And that's interesting. That's an interesting test, isn't it? And I began to think about that, and I thought, wow, here is Satan probably knowing the desperation and the, the human struggle that Jesus is going through as, as he's wondering, because he passed the provision, but now he's just like, now I'm just having, I mean, I just turned down an opportunity to be fed. And then he goes, you know, he might have even gone down in, in his human soul into a deeper level of desperation, and Satan knew that and jumped right on it and took him to the highest point and said, now throw yourself down. Look, go ahead and kill yourself. Go ahead and, and look, isn't God going to take care of this? Isn't God going to, doesn't the word, of, even the, the Bible say that the angels are going to catch you? Look, we got to get some angels going on here. You could just see Satan saying it, saying, look, you need some angels. The fastest way to get him here is to throw yourself off. Once again, a test. Once again, Satan goading us to take matters into our own hands, to look at our future. Because see, when things get rough, we can despair. Satan knew that Jesus was hungry and that he'd be tempted into panic. Of course, he passed the first test, but sometimes we give up when our prayers are not answered and we begin to wonder, God, what are you up to? Have you been there? Sure you have. So he tells him to throw himself down. Make God rescue us. Oh, buddy. Our resolve to trust God through any and every circumstance is key to growing in greater faith. But I, again, I think I see sometimes people saying, God, I'm like a little four-year-old. God, I'm getting ready to do this. You better come out and stop me. You know? And we're forcing God's hand. Well, God, I prayed and you didn't show up, and so I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to take, I mean, I don't see you in my future. I, I, I didn't hear you in my in, in my. Uh, my devotional time, of course, we didn't spend any time reading the actual Bible where we would learn and, and be able to fight again with the Word of God. It's a real test to think of our future and leaving it in God's hands, whatever that future might be. Holding on to our destiny is the most difficult thing for Christians to do. We're frail and easily given into discouragement. We need the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God to stand up to the devil's pressure. What did, what did Paul, I think it was Timothy, and he said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Or was that Peter? Anyway, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. 
And so, and that means implicit, complete, abandoned hope regarding our future, that we give it all to God and leave it in his hands, life or death. And you've heard me say this before, but when, we, when you put heaven into that, there should be no problem here because we're not worried about our eternal destiny. But when Christians begin to panic there, it tells me you don't understand that you're an eternal being, that this is just a stopping post, man. This is just a stopping post. Jesus, knowing how people were thinking as he taught, they were over there going, man, this guy's kind of crazy. He's talking about God feeding us and, and, and this, that, and the other thing. And, and Jesus stopped him and he said, look, if God cares for the sparrows of the air, he said, look around. God is taking care of everything that belongs to him. If you belong to him, he's going to cover you. He's going to take care of you. That must have been, that just must have, must have been an amazing shot across their bow, you know? to get them to wake up and realize. Because, look, their times were, were as our times. The, the city of Jerusalem and all Judea was occupied by a foreign army. The Jews felt oppressed. There was whole, one whole sect of Jews that wanted to rise up and to cut the throats of, of the Roman occupiers, guaranteeing their complete destruction. Eventually happened in 70 AD. And Jesus said, look, you know, you crucified me, you brought a curse upon yourself, and boom. And so trusting God for our futures, so incredibly key. Even though in our frailty, sometimes it comes to that. You know, I just want to end it. I just want to take away this struggle. I just want to, Lord, and, but see, that's pushing the hand of God. And I, I'm not going to say anything about, uh, you know, um, suicidal thoughts but you know i think suicide is on the rise and, and and christians have embraced that from time to time and and all i can say is at very least what is violated is a trust regarding your 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 future and to trust god for what he has in store see this test would be critical for jesus as he stood in the midst of suffering for the world do you give in to what seems like fatalism in other words, to say, you know, I, I, can't, I can't do anything. And there's a huge spirit moving right now. I've already preached on that as far as the gospel of ambivalence. But it is a spirit that has been launched against the church. It, it, it's, it's ugly. It's big. It's an assault. It's a campaign. And, and, it's, and, it, and it's just sweeping over Christians. And what it's basically saying is, look, there's nothing we can do. Just give up. Just, you know, this is too big, too ugly. And so I see it all the time. Just, you know, shoot, I'm, I'm just going fishing. I'm just going to forget. I'm just going to focus on my own little world and, and la, 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 you know, to make it all go away. It doesn't work. And we know that certain things like, you know, when good men and women don't do anything, evil advances. I mean, there's that certain aspect of that that we need to remember, that God's kingdom advances, yes, but it's through men and women that it advances. And that's an important thing to remember. We can't let fatalism, we can't let this I don't care attitude get a hold of us and so that, you know, things sweep. But now look, so let's just take the whole globe away. I know I'm, I'm putting heavy on you, but let's just start with your own little world. 
our own little world, our families, our jobs, our, 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 our own existence. See, there's a test. Are we going to trust God with our existence implicitly? Because it starts there. In order for us to be able to even begin to embrace other things that we might be able to pray for the nations or we might be able to, to, to grow in our ability to see the sovereignty of God move forward, we've got we to win it in our own plane. You, 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 does that make sense? You catching that point? Satan had to win it there for him to be able to go forward. He had a chance to bail out. I'll just kill this human body. And let God start over with, with some other plan. But he didn't. He stood the test. Final test, the power test. And that is to trust God with our safety. Satan tempted Jesus to switch plans, switch gods, didn't he? He gave him another shortcut deal. He brought him up onto a high mountain and showed him all the nations of the earth. And he said, you can get all of this and much, much more. I mean, you can just hear him. You know? If you will but do this one little thing and worship me. He lied. We know that he lied. It's not his earth. Although we know jurisdictionally that Satan did have it because Adam and Eve gave it to him. And it wasn't going to be won back until Jesus said it is finished. But now the earth is back in the hands of God and in the hands of God's people. And that's more important. That's a whole other sermon, truly. <clears throat> Satan was trying to assure Jesus that everything would be okay if we would just switch alliances. The bonus was to receive the earth, which Jesus didn't even respond to. So he just says, get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of here. You have gone way too far to test my True allegiance. But you know what? It comes down to that. Because if we're having a hard time trusting God with where our, our food and provision is going to come time from, and we're, and we're struggling, and we're, we're, we're wanting to give up, the killer blow, man, the killer blow is to come in and just say, look, why don't you just get on the winning side? Why don't you just bail out on this whole God thing and worship him? Satanism is on the rise in our nation, and it's scary. And, and we're looking at that, we're reading it, and saying, man, where is that coming from? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean I've got some theories on it in, as far as eschatology is concerned and all that, but you know what? That part of it, I'm going to leave in God's hand. I'm, on my watch, my God is large and in charge. On my watch. I was sitting there having devotions uh, early, when it was Friday or Saturday morning, Saturday morning it was. And uh, with my two little boys. And we were sitting there, we were reading through the New Testament like, you know, we've been wanting to do. And I just walking them through it. And, and I just talked to myself. And we'd start talking about angels because they were interested in angels. And I said, you know, angels are here to protect us. And I said, use your imagination. I said, guys, man, I, you know, I love messing with the boys and playing with the boys. I said, imagine these nine-foot-tall, massive angels with huge wings and a sword there. And they said, well, why are they here? I said, to protect you and to carry out the purposes and the will of God. And Ben asked the next obvious question. Who are they fighting? And I loved it. And I just said, oh, man, I'm so glad you asked that, son. Because, I mean, he's just like, well, why do they have to be so big and bad? I said, because there's demons on this planet, son. And they're around trying to deceive, to kill, and to destroy. And they are here, ready to do the bidding and the will of God. And did you know that you and I can be a part of that by speaking in Jesus' name? 
And Jesus got so frustrated with his disciples because he'd been teaching them that. And he finally just said, how long am I going to be with you guys? Did I not tell you you could speak? Because this guy comes over and he says, look, I got this kid who's throwing himself into the fire, and he goes into these uh, fits, and he, you know, he's obviously a demon, and we all know it, but you guys couldn't get him out. And Jesus is over there going, man, we got other cities to visit here. Guys, why can't you do this? And what you're supposed to get out of that story is, folks, we can, in Jesus' name, fight these spiritual battles. So what Jesus does is so amazing. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, give it all to me, huh? Hmm. Get back with you on that. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He said, away from me, Satan. And he speaks to him by name. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Game over. He attacked jurisdiction. He attacked the reality. He went right back to the first commandment, right? Have no other gods before me. And I tell you what, folks, gods do come cheap and idols are being, are being poured out everywhere and they come in all the different fashions and ways and the things and, and sometimes Christians getting caught up in that. But I tell you what, you want to end all that in a hurry, then you pass the power test and you deal with that darkness and those lies. And you just say, you know what? I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I will not give in to fear. I will not give in to lust. I will not give in to uh, this power of taking matters into my own hands. I'm not going to give in to doubt. No way. See, in these temptations you see a strategic focus of the enemy, and that is to doubt God on every level. Doubt his provision, doubt his love, and doubt, doubt his sovereignty. If he can get us to doubt these, it's game over for any further impact through our lives. Now, you know, look, if you don't pass those tests, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. And that, that I want to make sure, because I think people misunderstand this. It just means it's going to be kind of a miserable journey. A little bit of a miserable journey when God didn't come to bring that. So when we pass these tests, man, we can move on to some very, very glorious things, experiencing the full measure of God's joy and being able to see our prayers answered in very, very powerful ways. So many of us give up on God because we can't imagine an almighty, powerful God not offering to change our circumstances, to remove our struggles or remove pain and suffering on the earth. See, I've heard that so many times. People get overwhelmed, but there's so much suffering on the planet. There's so much this, there's so much that. How can God be so powerful and him not do anything about that? God has left it to us. <laughs> He's given us in Jesus' name. He said, you could pick up the mountain. Remember, he could say to this mountain, be picked up and thrown into the sea. Why did he say that? Why would he, why would he give us something like that unless he wanted us to do what? Use it. He's basically saying, look, I'm telling you. So what would it be like to have all the power we needed? The truth is we do. Christianity can be so hard on humans because we're given, we are given limitless power in Jesus' name. I was explaining this to Tate the other day. Often, this power is given to the weakest, least influential people in the world, and that is a test in and of itself. 
See, the powerful don't like the idea that a person who's a nobody in their mind can walk up and say, in Jesus' name. But you know what's funny? I've seen evangelists with sixth grade education walk into nations and influence what's going on. And you're scratching your head going, how can this be? And God is going up there saying, because he believes in me. And that's all you need. Now, the other side of the test is, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to go from being this, the, the simple, you know, least, you know, the, the tribe of Benjamin kind of an individual to, you know, wanting a throne? You don't want to go there. So would you die for Jesus? Would you take prison for your faith? These are tough questions. Jesus didn't have to face those then, but he did have to eventually. And Jesus replied, and I worship and serve only my God, my Father. Worship and serve. That's what it comes down to, friends. He's going to test us in these areas, and let me finish up quickly here. Quick discernment guide for you. You got, the, you got it in the notes. It notes. When you're going through these times, is there a, a lie that's involved or a half-truth? If there is, is there an exaggerated promise that a person cannot make good on? I mean, turn that discernment button up now to see, is this a test that's going on here? Does a, a suggested plan involve violating your conscience for the sake of something better? Are you not willing to tell anyone else about this great deal you received? In other words, if you don't feel free to tell anybody else about it, then maybe it wasn't such a good deal after all. See, Jesus faced three emotionally charged tests, made worse by the fact that his physical body and soul were worn down through hunger. And sometimes that's where we are, worn down in our soul. The way to fight is three things. He recognized his enemy. He knew it was the enemy. Number two, he remembered what he was called to do. And then finally, he fought with God's word and not his fists. That's the only way we're going to win this battle, is getting that word in you. Last week, I challenged you about going through the New Testament. I hope you're doing it. I want to hit you up with it again. Read through the New Testament. And I'm, I'm not saying that just as an educator in the faith. I'm, I'm saying this because I believe there's a critical, this is a critical time, and we need the Word of God in us. We need to get reading it. Reading it. Man, I've been enjoying it. Man, it's just been so full. I hope you have been too. It's just a rich feast of truth. So let's stand up this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and if I could have our prayer teams come. You know, I don't want to make too many comments regarding the future. I, you know, sometimes pastors, we get overexcited and we try to get into God's, you know, God's zone. Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. And so, not me. But he said we can know the times. We can discern what's going on. And so we know. So Lord, we ask you to come and help us in these days. Lord, perhaps we're going through tests right now. We're wondering, God, where, where is your provision going to come from? Lord, are we going to, where are you? Where's your love? 
Where's the compassion? Where's your presence? And then, Lord, where's your power to really help me change, to really help me change the world around me? The truth, it's right there. It's ready to be ours. Lord, I pray right now that all across this room, God, we would face these tests, we would win these tests, we would recognize, first of all, that it's the enemy who's pouring it out. You're allowing it because you're wanting us to toughen up. And nothing happens without your permission, especially in the redeemed's life. And if it's true, if that's what's going on, then Lord, may we embrace it, speak the words of God boldly, pray over our circumstances, walk through leanness of soul and body, with courage, with faith, with determination. And Lord, our mouths filled with the very words of God. The bottom line is, Lord, the faster we learn these tests, Lord, the faster we move on from them. Lord, to greater things, greater breakthroughs. Lord, helping us in our marriages, helping us with our children. God, experiencing supernatural provision, and we're laughing about it that's what you want that's what's your heart lord to to stave off and to heal diseases lord i thought i just see you and your word lord you did that without even thinking the children's bread healing so lord this morning give us hearts of faith whatever our needs might be lord as we come before we surrender them to you in jesus name and if there's anyone in this room today and if you're not for certain that you died tonight if you did that you go to heaven, look, we have a plan for you. We have these red bags up here, and inside them we have a Bible. We have some instructions, childlike instructions on how to take the next step in your life. So if you want to give your life to Christ, we're going to have, open up the altar here. You come down and have one of these folks pray for you and grab one of these red bags, take it home with you. Now we're going to worship. Help us lift up our voice to God this morning as we honor him. And you're welcome to come to the altar right now. If you've got a prayer need, come on.